Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. The series that we're doing basically is um, asking what life is about. We're kind of specifically talking about what, what my life, what your life uh, should be about as, as individuals. Um, God's given us a time span uh, on this earth for a reason. The average lifespan uh, right now is around 70 years. Uh, I, I used to think that was really old until I start chasing it down a little bit. And uh, that doesn't seem to be as old to me as it used to be uh, and, and everything. But, but God gives us this time on the earth. You know, what, what in the world should it be uh, about? Solomon went on a uh, fact-finding mission. Uh, and in Ecclesiastes, he, he says something that I think gives us the attitude uh, that many people have about life. He says, I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom by all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God's given the children of man to be busy with. And I've seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, it's all vanity and a striving after the wind. So he kind of has this really negative almost mindset at that point in time in his life as he's writing this of, of life. Like, it's, you know, God just put us here to be busy, not really purpose or meaning uh, behind it. It's like chasing after the wind. And, and regrettably, that's the way a lot of people view life. Like there's no meaning, no purpose, and, and they just kind of go through their existence day to day without thinking about maybe why God put them here. Two main ways that you can try and figure out what life is about that we've been talking about. One is speculation, and that's just an individual in their own heart, and their own mind, trying to think through why they're here, what life is about, and everything else. Uh, problem with speculation is the answer you get can be as varied as the number of people that's thinking about it. So instead of speculation, I would suggest to you that revelation ought to be the standard that we use, especially as Christians in our lives, to figure out what our lives should be about. Because the God that made us, that created us, gives us the owner manual to life, more or less. He, he lets us know through revelation what life should be about. So that's what we're trying to do in this series. We, we start out talking about, you know, who, who, who you are. And, and on that first Sunday, we discovered that, that you're not a mistake. No one's a mistake. No one's illegitimate. It might surprise human beings, but it doesn't surprise God because life begins in, in the heart of God. God's the one that creates life. He's the one that allows children to be born. There's never such a thing as a child being illegitimate from his standpoint because he always saw that child. And that's how much he values life. That's who you are. God made you foundationally. You didn't just come about, you know, by evolution or something like that. Foundationally, God made you because spiritually, he wants to have an eternal relationship with you. We, we asked the question, why? You know, why are we here then? And, and we kind of found out three main reasons there. We found out that God made us to love us. We found out that God made us for, for his pleasure, not our own design. So we ought to be loving God in, in return. And he also made us to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
Then, then last week we took this first step about what? You know, what is my life about? What is, what is your life to be about? And last week we talked about this, that, that God made us to serve him. He calls us to serve him. He commands us to serve him. And we ought to be compelled to serve him. If we would stop and think about all that he's done for us, if nothing else, sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, we ought to be compelled in return to serve him in some way. So this, this week, let's take the next step toward kind of figuring out what our lives ought to be about. Um, there in Ephesians, it simply told us that he had created us for good works. The verse that, that, that they had up before us prepared us in advance for good works. So there's things that he wants us to do to serve him. But let's take the, the next step. And then the next step is this. You were made for a mission. You, you were made for a specific mission, a very, very important mission that I'm going to talk to you about. But before I do, kind of as a living illustration of this, because we've been talking about Terry uh, getting ready to go to Africa for a year to, to, to work with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and uh, she's, we're going to show you a video. Uh, it'll take about four minutes. It'll let you understand a little bit more what she'll be doing. And then she's going to come up and speak with you for a couple of minutes too. So she's kind of like a living illustration of a, of, of a mission that God's called her to. And then I'm going to come back up and talk about how you and I were, were made for, for a mission. You know, so. By the way, as she comes up here, uh, on her left hand, there's a little bit more bling-bling than she had last week. Uh, so, you uh, say I'm going to embarrass her before she gets up here. Uh, so, uh, she, showed me, she showed me that first thing. They said, do you see this, the picture on Facebook? I said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I missed it and everything. But uh, let's give them a congrat- congratulations on their engagement real quick, too, for her and her and Kyle. Kyle's motives, I'm sure, are selfish. He wants to let everyone know in Africa she's already taken while she's gone for a year. But uh, share, share with us about what you... So, as you can see, there's a lot of stuff that goes into Bible translation. Um, I talked about last week a little bit what I was doing. Um, I'm going to Cameroon, Africa um, to work with a company that is, uh, has kind of set up in Cameroon in a city there to translate Bibles, um, over there. Um, okay. So I'm doing graphic design. What I'll be doing is, um, like doing layouts and setting up print for the actual pages of the Bible. Um, so they could be distributed to those people. Um, I'll also be doing, you know, normal graphic design things like, um, making brochures for those churches, um, and newsletters, web design, stuff like that. Um, there are in Cameroon, 279 language groups, um, and only 74, I think are being worked on right now. Um, so there are a lot of languages there, um, that, that they're working on. Um, First, I just wanted to thank you guys for your support so far in what you've done. Um, without you guys, I wouldn't wouldn't even be able to do this. The benefit concert that I had, I raised um, half of the money that I needed in order to even get to Cameroon. Um, so thank you guys so much for that. And thank you for your prayers um, and your encouragement and your support and all of this. Um, and so I just wanted to get up here and ask for prayers for this. I'm leaving Wednesday. This is my last Sunday here. Um, this is my first time out of the country. Um, this is actually my first time flying. It's going to be like a 24-hour flight. Um, it's really scary. 
Um, and it's going to take some time for me adapt, to adapt um, to this place, obviously. Um, you know, and I'm probably going to be homesick for a while. Um, so I just want to ask for prayers from you guys. Um, and I talked a little bit about it uh, last week during first service when we did the panel discussion. Um, Lynn asked a question about evaluating, um, you know, how God has called you to do what you think he's called you to do. Um, and I didn't really say anything during this service, um, so I'll say it now. Um, now. This is really difficult for me. Like, this is really hard. Um, I talked about comfort a lot. Um, you know, I know how I evaluated it was that I know that I can't say no to God. I know that I'm incapable of saying it. Um, I, was t I was saying that um, it would be so much easier not to be doing this. I'm very excited. Um, as nerve-wracking as it is, I'm very excited but it's very hard. Um, it would just be easier to stay here. It would be easier to stay with my friends and my boyfriend and my family um, and do the things that I do here instead of going on a plane for the first time, which I've never done and I'm terrified about, instead of you know meeting new people. And, and I have absolutely no idea what to expect when I'm over there. So this is terrifying. I'm not even going to lie. So I really need your prayers. Um, like I said, I'll leave Wednesday. Um, and uh, I just wanted to also say, you know, that I wanted those of you who want to keep in touch um, and know what's going on over there, I would also like to keep in touch with you. Um, I will tell Lynn everything, and I'll keep him updated on uh, what's happening over there. Um, and I also want to talk about financial support, obviously, you know, not just prayers. Um, it's going to take about eight to $900 um, for me to live uh, over there. I'll be there for a year, so I'll need that monthly. Um, so if you guys feel led um, to be a partner um, in this and help me um, outside in the lobby when you go outside or when you go out the doors, um, there's a black table there and there are some donation forms. Uh, it tells you everything that you need to do. Um, if you just want to do a one-time gift, you can do that. But if you actually want to partner with me in this um, and give monthly, you have that option too. Um, and please see me afterwards if you have questions or you just want to talk to me. Because um, I can't do this do this without you, honestly. I, I couldn't even have raised the money without you guys. Um, so I want to thank you again for that. Um, also, if um, and if you just want to think about it, please just take one of those papers out there. Also, there's a slip um, beside them that just has my info on it. Like um, I don't have my address and my phone number yet, but my email um, and Skype information is on there. If you want to keep in touch. Um, so after this, after the service, um, if you guys want to ask me any questions or talk to me about it, um, feel free to do so. Um, and I just want to say and thank you guys for everything. Um, and it's been a pleasure serving with you and worshiping with you. Thank you. In, in the video, you picked up on the importance of what they do. Can, can you imagine not having this yourself? Because, I mean, we can go out in nature and, and look at nature. The Bible even tells us this and figure out there's a God, a creator. But to actually find out about Jesus and, and be aware that we're a sinner and our only hope is him comes through the word of God. And, and, and that's what this ministry will be doing, what she will be involved in uh, as she goes there. So something really to pray about. Because imagine if, if you had never had the word of God. And it blew me away when she said in the first service had like 279 different languages in that one area. 
Uh, you know, and imagine the task of communicating that to, uh, the, to the number of people. So it's very important what she's doing. But the, the thing I want you to get, though, this morning is this. Uh, not only is she called to a mission or missionaries, other missionaries that are on the field all the time or some other people in our church like the group in Guatemala uh, right now or the group that went to Africa recently or Zach when he went to China and, and things like that. It's not, not just those people that are called to a mission. All of us are called to a mission. We have this assignment that uh, that God has given us. And, and it's found a lot of places, but one of the main places we think about is, is this passage of Scripture we call the Great Commission. And the Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And like, like the other comments I have on the screen, it's, it's a great commission. It's not a great suggestion. It's something that he is commanding us to do. It's a mandatory mission. It's not like it's optional. It's like marching orders. And you think of an army being given marching orders where to go and what to do. And, and we're his army, uh, so to speak. And he's given us uh, marching orders. And if we fail to do it, we're being disobedient to him if we fail to carry out this, this mission that he has given us. In the Bible, when you looked at the fact that God expects us to let people know that they're going to die in their sins and that they, you know, they, they need to turn from them and things like that, God seems to hold us accountable for that. But because in, in Ezekiel, he's, he's talking about holding people accountable for the mission that he gives us. He said, if I say to the wicked, you should surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I'll require to your hand. In other words, God is saying if there's someone that's in their sin, and you know, you're supposed to go tell them that they are, to try and wake them up and turn them away from their iniquity and to a relationship with him, if you fail to tell them, he said, I'm holding you accountable. On the other hand, he says, but if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. He, he, he has this expectation upon us as believers and, and holds us accountable, I believe, for us to let people know. The, the Bible also teaches that that it's actually something wise, you know, especially when you think about God holding us accountable, that it's actually wise for you and I as believers to try and win people to Christ. And in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, in the NIV, it puts it like this, but the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins soul is wise. The, the English Standard Version, a version that I've been reading a lot for the last couple of years, it says this, the, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is, is wise. We, we ought to be about capturing people. Our lives as believers ought to be like a, a fruit-bearing tree. We ought to be bearing fruit that gives life to other people. We, we need to be sharing the message that he's given us, the mission that he's given us. When you look at that same verse in the Amplified Bible, and some of you might be familiar with that, some of you may not be, the Amplified Bible kind of has parenthetical statements that are included in the translation to help maybe add some emphasis there. Uh, and it says this, The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise captures human lives. And here's why we ought to. It says, For God, as a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. 
God himself is fishing for men, and God wants us to be involved in that mission. He's wanting to gather people for eternity. And in that translation, also in a parenthetical statement, it gives us some verses that we ought to look at. So look at these verses real quickly. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20, it tells us about Jesus. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, because that's what they were doing. They were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Our mission is the same thing. God calls us as his followers, as his disciples, to fish for men. And we need to respond in immediate fashion, just like they did, and be willing to be involved in this mission. That he, that he wants us to participate in. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Uh, For though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. We, we need to view ourselves as servants of God, serving other people for the goal of, of trying to reach them for Jesus, trying to, trying to win them. James puts it like this. Uh, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. There's this task that God's given us, a mission that he's given us. And that's not to say that we can't have other things that our lives are involved with, but primarily, if you were to strip everything else back, there's this very unique, very special, very important mission that God gives us as believers that we need to be about. So that's what we're going to talk about. If you're a Christian, your life's mission is, and we're going to talk about four things quickly. If you're a mission, you're, if you're a Christian, your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission. If you're a Christian, your mission as a Christian is a continuation of what Jesus came here to do. Jesus, God in the flesh, came into this world died on a cross, paid the penalty for the sins of mankind, that men can be brought back into a relationship with a holy God. Jesus came into this world to be the door whereby we can gain access into the presence of holy God for all eternity. Jesus came not just to build a bridge from where we are in our sin and God in his holiness. He, he came and his cross is literally the bridge that gets us from where we are in our sin to, a, to an eternal relationship with God through the salvation that God gives us by his amazing grace when we trust in Jesus as our Savior. The, the mission that he came to be about, he has left us here to be about ourselves. Jesus left his followers to continue his work, to continue his mission. He even says that in, in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Jesus says this, as you sent me into the world, he's praying to God the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The, the message paraphrase kind of adds some flavor to that that I think is helpful in the same way because when you read that original in the Greek language, it's really what Jesus is saying, as you sent me. He, he said, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Jesus not only did that for those first disciples, he, he also does that for us. He has that expectation over our lives. He wants to send us into the world. 
The, the Bible calls us not just to come to Jesus, but we're to go for Jesus. We're to, we're to be serving him and, and trying to reach others. He has a mission for us in this world. He sends us as his ambassadors or his representatives with a mission and a message. Paul in, in 2 Corinthians says, all this is from God. Talking about our, our salvation and all that God's done for us in Christ. Who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. In other words... God, through the ministry of Jesus Christ, as Jesus died on the cross for our sins and taking his life back up, through Jesus, God is reconciling us and has reconciled those of us that know Christ as our Savior. He's reconciled us back to a holy God. But he's also given us, those that have been reconciled, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have a mission to be about. It's trying to get other people to reconcile with God. That is, he says, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, notice this, the message of reconciliation. He's given us a message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, or representatives for Christ. God making his appeal through us. You understand what an ambassador is. I mean, our, our nation sends ambassadors to other countries. And those ambassadors are supposed to be uh, representing uh, the interest of the United States of America in communicating things that our, our president may tell them to communicate. Or other countries that maybe have monarchs and kings, they will have representatives or ambassadors that go forth with a message from the king to tell other people. That's what God is doing and wants to do through our lives. He desires you and I's believers to be his ambassadors we're to be his representatives he's given us a mission in this world and he's given us a message that we ought to be proclaiming in this world he said we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god and then he gives us what our message literally is to share for our sake he talking about god the father made him god the son to be sin who knew no sin so that in him god the son we might become the very righteousness of god that's the message that God's given us. Jesus became flesh. He took our sin upon himself. He was perfectly holy. He took our sin to do faith in him. He gives us his righteousness. Through Jesus Christ, we can be reconciled to a holy God. And that's the message that he's given for us to proclaim. That Jesus became sin in order that you, in order that others, that we can share the message with, can literally become the righteousness of God. That's the message that he's given us to be, to be sharing with a lost and dying world around us. Jesus also told his disciples they, they were his witnesses. In, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power. Let me stop there for a moment. You know what we do a lot of times? We, we'll come up with all these excuses when we read in the Bible or we hear in a sermon or, or a Bible study or whatever that we're supposed to be witnesses, that we're supposed to be telling other people about Jesus and things like that. We'll come up with a ton of reasons why we can't do it. Well, you know, Jesus understood that. Being God in the flesh, notice what he said. He looked at those first disciples and he said, you will receive what? Power. The, the word for power is the same word we get dynamo or dynamic or dynamite from. He, he said, I'll give you the ability. I'll give you the force. I, I, I'll give you all that you need, the power that you need. The Holy Spirit will 
be in your heart, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, now, how can we translate that over to us today? Maybe think about it in these terms. As we think about day three church, you will be my witnesses in Granite Falls. You'll be my witnesses in the neighborhoods that you live in. You'll be my witnesses in Caldwell County. You'll be my witnesses in North Carolina, in America. You'll be my witnesses to the uttermost part of the world. And, and I have been completely amazed at the opportunities our church has had over the last few years to be involved with things like a mission trip to Guatemala or, or mission trips to Africa and you know that, that Lynn Crump and others have, have been on and this this mission that Terry is getting ready to, to go upon those are in Guatemala right now Zach when he went to China uh, recently we've got the opportunity to be involved in mission work like that but the danger is this the danger I think is we think of it in terms up, well, if I could go to Africa or if I could go to China, then I could go there and serve God there and I could be on a mission field there. When the reality is, you have a mission field right where you live every day that you live. Everywhere that you, you go. The marketplace where you work, people you rub shoulders with, wherever you're at, you have a mission field before you here. You, you don't have to go to Africa. Thank God for people that will go. Thank God that Terry's going. And we need to pray for her and we need to financially support her. So go out there at the table afterwards and pick up information about how you can do that. So that we can keep her on the field there. But you need to understand something. With that, just helping to fund ministry doesn't get you off the hook. Saying I tithe the church, I know part of that goes to help support missionaries, doesn't get you off the hook for your own personal mission that God wants you to be about. And that's what we're talking about this morning, sharing the gospel with those around us. That we each have an individual mission and funding it doesn't get us off the hook from actually doing it ourselves. As his followers, you've been left here to continue his work. But also, as a Christian, your mission is this. As, as a Christian, your mission is the cure that this world needs. The, the literal cure that this world needs. If you had a neighbor dying of cancer, and all of a sudden you were to discover and find out what the cure for that cancer would be, would you not go tell your neighbor, here's how your life can be spared. I've discovered the cure for cancer. If you knew of someone dying of AIDS, would, would you not go and tell them, look, I've, I found out what the cure for AIDS is, and then let me share it with you so you, you can be healed and you can be cured. You see, it would be almost criminal, would it not, if we knew the cure for some life-threatening disease and we kept it to ourselves. Mike... Well, Shemansky was playing the drums up here, his dad. We, uh, we mentioned it last week in prayer. I didn't mention it earlier because I knew I was going to mention it now. But we do need to be in prayer for his dad. His dad has uh, uh, incurable pancreatic cancer. Uh, went through a surgery this past week, just really designed to try and extend his day some, his life some. Uh, and right now he's, he's got kind of a, a, an infection that's set up on the other side of the surgeries in Baptist Hospital. Uh, Mike's been spending nights down there, kind of burning the candle at both ends. Slept four hours last night here to play uh, drums for us and stuff. And 
taken back off to go down there and be with his dad and everything this afternoon. Well, well, if you think about that a minute, there's, there's a member of our church whose dad right now, uh, unless something happens, is dying and will die of pancreatic cancer. What if I were to find out the cure for it? Would you not expect me to run as fast as I could run to Baptist Hospital and tell them, here's what will cure your cancer? Sure you would. And we think how terrible it is, how criminal it would be not to tell somebody else that there's a, that there's a cure. But to be honest with you, we are even more criminal as believers when we fail to tell people the life-changing, eternity-saving message of Jesus Christ. You should see someone with cancer that's lost could be healed from cancer and still die and spend eternity in hell one day. Someone that has AIDS could somehow be cured from AIDS and, and yet die lost if they didn't know Christ as their Savior and spend eternity in hell. We've got the cure that the world needs. We've got the very thing that can change their life now and for all eternity. So why don't we tell it more? And I said we. Because I don't think I do as good a job as I need to. I probably had more training in it than I guess probably anyone here. I don't know. Why, why, Why don't we share that message more? See, theologically, we understand that Jesus died on the cross. Theologically, we understand that that he's the only hope, he's the only way. But practically, we act like there's some other option for people. Like if someone's sincere, as long as they believe in Islam or Buddha or whatever they believe in, as long as they're sincere, we think there's some other option. The problem with that line of thinking is this. The Bible clearly says, in their salvation in no one else... For there is no other name talking about Jesus under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, there, there are no other options. So, so why do we live and act like as, as though there's some other option and, and someone will get by somehow in eternity when the only option that God has given us is Jesus? And we live in a world today that views that as uh, narrow-minded and, and bigoted and things like that. If we say these other religions don't get you to God, well, they do get you to God. They don't get you there the way you want to be there. <laughs> Everyone will stand and give account. But you see, it's not narrow-minded at all because Jesus stands with open arms having died for the sins of the world and says, let whosoever will come. But we need to wake up and we need to understand it's the only option. We have the very cure that this world needs. If you're a Christian, your mission also does this. Your mission will confirm significance to your life. If we are left here, and we are, based upon what the Scriptures tell us, to to carry out the mission, to continue the mission that Jesus left us here with, and he's given us a commission to share the gospel with others, we will not find true significance and true fulfillment in our lives until we are involved with the mission that he wants us to be involved with. The mission that he has left for us, being involved with that mission will confirm significance to your life. William James is someone you may not have ever heard anything about before. Uh, he was lived 1842 to 1910. Uh, he was not a theologian, was not a pastor or a missionary. He was a psychologist. His dad was a pastor. 
I, I will put that in so he's got a little bit of perspective probably from his dad. That we know of, he was the first uh, educator in the United States to offer psychology as, as an educational class. And there are a lot of quotes that you can find on the internet that he has made. Uh, I think a lot of them really neat quotes, but I really like, like this when he says, The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. You understand what he's saying? He's saying the best way you can use your life, the best way you can invest your life is to do so investing in something that will last after you're dead and gone. The best way you can invest your life is to invest it in something that will outlast you, something that will last for eternity. And if that is true, think about it. That narrows down a whole lot where we can invest our life and it have eternal meaning, doesn't it? It narrows it down to this. The kingdom of God is what will last for all eternity, not this world. Second Peter, the Bible says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So right there the Bible tells us that everything in this world is going to be what one day? Burned up. Gone. Gone. Think about our ratios Think about the ratio of our life that we invest in things that will be gone. That will not last for eternity. And if you're going to find real fulfillment, real significance in your life, we, we need to be investing in something that will last beyond ourselves. We need to be investing in the kingdom of God because that's what will last for all eternity. Paul said this in Acts 20 and verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul. Remember who he is. Paul. God used to write more of the New Testament than anybody else. Plant churches all over Asia Minor. Paul said that his life would be meaningless if he did not fulfill the mission that God gave him to proclaim the gospel of grace. Paul said that. Paul saying the significance of my life is attached to the communication of the gospel. And that's not just true of Paul. Since we have been left here to continue the mission and we've been given that great commission that we read earlier, if we want to find real significance in our life, it will be this. For us to fulfill the mission he's given us to proclaim the gospel. If, if just one person, think about it in these terms, if just one person is in heaven because of you, your life will have significance for all eternity. Have you ever thought about it like that? If just one person is in heaven because of you, Think about this week, if every one of us were to go out these doors and win one person to Jesus and bring them back. Or whether they go here or go to another church, I don't care as long as they know Jesus. 
Think how the kingdom of God expands. You see what will have eternal lasting value. It's not all the, the, the junk that we tie ourselves up to so often. If, if we can just be engaged in fulfilling this mission, the unique mission, the most important mission that he's given us is to share the gospel. And if you're a Christian, your mission also has this. Last thing we're going to look at is, is this. Your, your mission has eternal consequences. In a good way or a bad way. If you're fulfilling your mission and you're telling other people about Jesus and you're doing all you can do to share the gospel, then eternal consequences in a good way. But if you're not, if you're rejecting as a Christian the very reason God left you on this planet, then the eternal consequences are in a bad way. Honestly, I believe that's why he's left us here. I mean, if not... (laughs) Why not the moment, if he didn't have something for us to do, why not the moment that we received him as Savior? Why didn't he go ahead and take us out of this world to be with him in heaven now before we had a chance to screw it up in some way? You ever screwed it up in some way since you've been saved? I have. So if there wasn't some reason for me to be here, why not just take me out? As soon as I meet him. As Savior, but there's something that he wants us to be engaged with it and has eternal consequences. This mission that we're talking about this morning is the most important, the most vital mission or task or job or assignment that you will ever be given in your life. This mission is, is the most important thing that your life ought to be about. This ultimate mission that he's, that he's given us, nothing else you do in your life will matter as much as this mission. Not your employment. Not your hobbies. Not your recreation. Not your investments. There's not, there's not anything as important with eternal consequences as this mission that he's given us. My fear is time is running out. Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. The New Living Translation puts it like this. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us. See, we have a task, we have a mission. We need to quickly carry it out. This task has been assigned to us by the one who sent us, the Father. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I'm the the light of the world. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not here trying to be political and I'm not talking Democrat or Republican or anything like that. I'm talking culture. And almost 30 years ago, be 30 years ago next year this time that I've been in the ministry and had you told me 30 years ago there'd be a time in the United States of America that we would have to be afraid there might be some ramification for sharing your faith and sharing the gospel I would not have accepted that or believed it. 
But things are changing quicker than we realize. Chaplains in the military, some of them are having ramifications hit them. Some in the military, one, one man, I read his story a couple of weeks ago. His contract was not renewed for him to, to, to go back in and finish his, his time with the military. You want to know why? He got in trouble for serving Chick-fil-A sandwiches at a private party he was putting on for his own family. And somebody didn't like it because of the stance of Chick-fil-A. San Diego right now is considering the city of, of uh, known as San Diego, San Antonio, uh, is, is considering a, a law that could affect the freedom of someone there to share their faith. And if they violate that, then they could lose the chance to be employed at San Antonio for life. I'm not making it up. read it last night. Our freedoms are disappearing. And the freedom to share Christ, the time that we have to do it, the daylight may be diminishing in a time of darkness, may be on the way to where it will be extremely hard for us to share our faith. And I'm not telling you that to depress you. I'm telling you that to say we need to wake up and do it. We, we need to make the use of every opportunity we have. Because there's coming a time when no one can work. And unless you say, well, yeah, but Jesus said as long as he's in the world, he's the light of the world. Can I tell you something? He's still here. You know how he's still here? If you know him, he lives inside of you. And he's told us that we're to be the light of the world now. We're to, to share this message. We're to carry forth the light. We're to be engaged in this most important mission that he's given us because if we fail to do so, there are eternal consequences. So, in the, in the, in the words of a uh, popular TV series from years ago that I will date myself, or a uh, movie series that's been out lately, uh, your mission if you choose to accept it. But it's not an impossible mission. And the reason it's not an impossible mission is because God's called us to do it and he will help us do it. Anything he calls us to, he will provide us the ability to do it. And it's not an impossible mission. Our mission is to reach others for Jesus. Our mission is, is to be sharing our faith and changing people's lives for eternity. That's our primary mission. See, that ought to be the goal of everything we do. Why have vacation Bible school? So kids can find out about Jesus. Why sing songs here and put the time in that the band puts in to, to learn the music and to lead us in worship? You know what the ultimate goal is? It's not for us to come together and feel good and feel like we've been entertained. It's for us to worship God and then for us to go out in this world and change the world. It, it ought to be the goal of everything that we're about. We need to adopt the attitude of Jesus. And Jesus, I remember him saying something like this, Father, uh, not my will be done, but yours. 
And at that point in time, Jesus was had the cross and the suffering on the cross and the sin of all mankind looming in front of him, being placed upon him as he suffered on the cross. And he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he's talking about going to a cross. I'm not talking about you going to a cross. Hopefully not. Hopefully our culture doesn't change to where that happens to us. But uh, what I am talking about is this. Father, not your will, but mine be done. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to tell others. I'm going to set aside my agenda for your agenda. I'm going to set aside my life for your life. I'm going to set aside my purposes for your purposes. I'm going to be engaged in my life with what you want me to be engaged with. I'm going to understand that's my primary mission. Out of everything else my life is about, primary, the most important mission that I have is to share Christ with others. It might cost you something, it costs Jesus something, but you know what? I wouldn't worry about the cost. I think God can take care of that. Whether it's financial cost you give in a support ministry, or whether it's you sticking your neck out on the line with friends because you're sharing the gospel with them, or whatever. Rick Warren tells a story about his dad when his dad was uh, dying of cancer. His dad had pastored mostly small rural churches for about 50 years, and his dad's dying of cancer. And Rick's wife was, was there with him in the hospital, and all of a sudden, after a few days of not having the energy to sit up, do anything, all of a sudden, Rick's dad sat up in bed and was kind of agitated and upset and wanted to try and get up, and, and, um, and, and Rick's wife kept telling him to, you know, to, 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 to lay down and, and said, what, what is it? What, what is it that's bothering you? What's wrong? And what he responded was this. Got to say one more for Jesus. Then over the next hours, over and over and over and over again, his dad, dying of cancer, would say, got to say one more for Jesus. Got to say one more for Jesus. Got to say one more for Jesus. Rick came in and sat beside of him. And his dad put his hand over on his head, almost like he was commissioning him and said, God, to say one more for Jesus. You go say one more for Jesus. You go say one more for Jesus. And then his dad died. And I think Rick's probably answered that call because if I'm not mistaken, they run around 28,000 people on a weekend at Saddleback Church in California. So I think he answered that call. The question is for us, will you save one more for Jesus? Will I save one more for Jesus? Will we be about this mission? Will we answer the call to this most important mission that he's given us? Let's pray. Father, forgive us for our wasted time and our wasted talents and our wasted finances. Forgive us for our excuses. Forgive us for being lulled to sleep by our culture. Forgive us for being lulled to sleep in our churches. Father, help us to understand that you have a primary mission for us. The most important mission of our lives 
is to tell the story of Jesus to others. Father, help us, those of us that are in this place that know you, not to be satisfied with sitting and thinking, I I know I'm going to heaven. Not to be satisfied with coming in week after week and hearing songs and singing songs and sermons and taking notes and going away and doing nothing. God, I pray that you wake us up, that you stir us up, and help us see the need that we have to tell others about Jesus. Father, there's someone here today that doesn't know Christ. I I pray that you touch their heart. Help them to understand that they cannot save themselves. It's not based upon their goodness. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short. Help them to understand that you loved them so much you sent your son to die on the cross and it's through faith in his finished work and and your amazing grace is a free gift that you give us eternal salvation when we trust in Christ. And then you call us and use us to serve you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.